0: So at one point in my life, uh, I was in the third grade, and uh, I know, shocking to some of you in here, um, but I was in the third grade, and I was very excited to be in the third grade, to advance from second grade and move on up to the next uh, level of my education, and uh, I was so excited to go um, to my third grade classroom uh, on my very first day of school, Uh, and then something very um, not good Uh, happened to me. To my dismay, I walked into the classroom and I discovered that all of my friends that had been my friends ever since I had started elementary school were not in my class, but they were all in the class next to me and I was not in their class. And it was at that moment I knew that I was going to have to go through third grade without any of my friends. And, you know, as a third grader, I was like, man, two semesters, that's basically the rest of my life. Um, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. And then, uh, to my good fortune, Uh, I realized that there uh, was one friend. I had one friend um, in the class that I knew. I had one friend who had made it into this class with me. And uh, for this poor, unfortunate soul, they were lucky enough um, to be placed right next to me, right next to me on the seating chart. So I was like, this is it. This is my ticket to being able to survive uh, third grade. And, uh, you know, my friend's name was Lauren. So every day I would come in and I would just talk to Lauren. Lauren was my friend. It was the one friend that I had in third grade. She was my lifeline to, in order to survive uh, third grade. So we make it uh, like three days in and my teacher calls me up to the front of uh, the room when everyone else is working on something. And I knew uh, from the tone of her voice when I was walking up there, like I was like, it was like I was on death row uh, walking to the front to talk to my teacher. And I just knew that when we had this talk, like things were going to be different. I could just tell uh, walking up to her. And I was like, she was like, hey, uh, David, listen, here's the deal. Um, I'm going to have to move you. Uh, you. You can't sit beside Lauren uh, anymore. You're, you're talking too much in class. And I was crushed. Uh, it destroyed me because, like I said, I just, this is the only way I'm going to make it. Like, Lauren, she is the lifeline. She's the way I survived third grade. Like, Ms. Weeks, you don't, you don't get it. You don't it. You don't understand. And, uh, you know, I kind of took it sitting down the first time. So I went back, tried to try my new seat out for a day. So we're like day four uh, into third grade. And I come back up to her at the end of the day. And I'm like, you got to move me back next to Lauren. She's my only friend. She's the only person I got in here. And I know we had this conversation that kind of changed everything, this conversation where you put all this uh, new information on me. And then she said something that I'll never forget. She looked at me and she said, David, Lauren's the one that asked me to move you and I was crushed, man. Crushed. Absolutely destroyed. Which brings us to talking about the betrayal of Judas tonight. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We talked about Judas last week for you guys that weren't here. But I knew that conversation I had with my teacher was going to change everything. I knew that things were going to be different when I walked out of that. And just like I knew that conversation was going to be different, I think Uh, Tonight, when we look into the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples, this last conversation, this last talk that he had in the upper room, I think that I hope that this is a conversation that you walk away and you know that things are different. You know that this is a conversation that's going to change everything because the disciples they ask questions that are parenthetical to kind of our entire experience as humans and I think they're especially important to our lives as young adults so before we go any further tonight uh my prayer for you guys is just this is just to be open be open to what the Holy Spirit might tell you tonight be open to what Christ might teach you be open to what the text says So before we go any further, before we get into prayer, uh, everyone just bow their heads. We're going to do prayer a little differently tonight. And I want you guys just to pray uh, to yourselves just really briefly. Just whatever um, things uh, that are bringing you stress or anxiety in life right now or causing you pain, I I would ask you if you would just put that at the foot of the cross tonight the best you know how. Now, if you would I, would, I would ask you guys just to pray, just to ask God, God, would you do uh, whatever is necessary to stir my heart for you, to stir my affections for you right now in this moment? Now, would you ask the Lord to help you understand? his word tonight, understand his text. Now would you just thank the Lord for everything good that he has done for you in your life? join me in prayer. Lord, we are here for you. We're not here for any other reason. Uh, Lord, we're here because you are uh, the great I am. Lord, that you were here uh, before us, God, that you will be here after us, Lord, and that you, uh, before we ever step foot on this earth, God, you numbered the hairs on our head, God. You numbered the days in our life, God. You numbered the steps that we would take, Lord. So we lean uh, into you, God. We lean back uh, into knowing who you are, God, and we know who you are because of Jesus, God, just as we learned last week, we know that if we have seen Christ, God, then we have seen the Father. And, Lord, we know that in this room, God, that nobody can see who you are apart from us, Lord. It is our responsibility as the church, God, to show the love, to show who you are to others. Lord, and that's not a responsibility we take lightly. So, God, I just pray that wherever we are tonight, Lord, that you will help us, God, understand um, your word in John 15, God, that apart from you that we can do nothing. God, we can't escape any anxiety. We can't escape any pain. God, we can't escape any depression. God, we can't escape any trials. God, we can't escape any uh, turmoil in our life apart from you. God, we can't accomplish anything that's of eternal value apart from you. God, we can't do anything without you, Lord. So in this moment, Lord, we are clinging to you. The best way that we know how, with everything that we are. Lord, we give you permission to change our minds, to change our heart tonight. We'll do the hard work. We'll do whatever it takes to be more like you. We ask this in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once you guys flip over to John chapter 15. Flip or tap your way over to John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. If you don't have your copy of God's Word, you're welcome to follow along on screen uh, with me tonight. So just a little bit of uh, backstory to kind of set up what we're going to be reading tonight. You guys remember last week. We talked about John chapter 14. John chapter 14, Jesus is telling the disciples a lot of things uh, over and over, and he's kind of repeating to them, Hey, guys, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm getting ready to depart. I'm getting ready to go somewhere new. And for a while, you're not going to see me, but don't worry. My Holy Spirit is coming, so here's what I have for you to do in the meantime. Here's what you need to do in the meantime. And he tells the disciples that, and it just, kind of, it just kind of scares them a little bit. It kind of frustrates them a little bit because what Jesus does in that moment in John chapter 14 is he kind of wrecks their dreams, for lack of a better term. He kind of wrecks the plans that they had for their life. And some of you guys in here, I've had that conversation with you where you were going somewhere in life. You had a plan to go somewhere. And God just kind of derailed that whole plan without asking you permission. And that's kind of the whole thing that happened with the disciples. So as, we're ha- as he's having this conversation with the disciples, we see he kind of tears everything down, and Jesus is slowly rebuilding it back up, and it's amazing the way that he does it. So without further ado, let's look down at verse 1 as Jesus continues this conversation from John chapter 14. Verse 1 says this, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is served from the vine, and you cannot produce fruit unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I and and in and them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and wither. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. Jesus repeats that promise that he told them in John chapter 14. He tells them again, if you ask anything in my name, anything for my glory, anything to expand my kingdom, I will give it to you. I will give it to you. Verse 8 he says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So the first thing I want you guys to recognize tonight is this. The first thing we can see from this text is, uh, those who produce fruit for the Lord, the Lord will prune. Those who produce fruit for the Lord, the Lord will prune. Now, uh, if you guys can kind of remember back to the seasons of the soul series that we did just uh, back in the spring, you guys remember we talked about the fall, the fall season. And if you guys weren't there, uh, the fall season of the soul is this time in your life when the Lord is going to begin to remove things from your life without asking you permission. This is what is called pruning. Lord, the Lord will remove toxic relationships in your life. The Lord will remove things that are not getting better. He's going to remove dead things in your life, and he's going to cause things to happen in your life that are going to come to pass. And he's going to be, begin moving and shifting things in your life. And the thing is, is when we have this season of transition in our life, transition often makes us anxious it often makes us nervous. It often scares us. When we're moving into something new and things start changing without us doing that, that really, really scares us. But what we can do is we can look at this text, we can look at this in a season, a fall season of the soul, and we can trust that what God is doing, what he's removing, is setting us up to continue to produce fruit, to continue to do what God has called us to do. And if you kind of just initially thinking, uh, think about this, it, it can feel a little bit like God is punishing you. And I want to put your mind at rest tonight. I want to put your mind at ease tonight that if you're going through a pruning season or eventually all of you in here who follow Christ, you will go through a pruning season at some point. Like God is not trying to punish you. He's not trying to take things away from you. He's not trying to remove things from you. He's trying to cleave things away in your life so that you can continue to answer your purpose. You can continue to answer the call that God has given to you. And if you kind of think about this, uh, the way that Jesus is putting it, he's comparing it to a gardener pruning a plant for us for a reason. Because if you think about it, like, it's kind of harsh at first. Like, you've got this idea of, like, a gardener is taking this really sharp metal pair of shears, and he's literally cutting pieces of the plant away from it. He's cutting pieces of the plant off. And then when you start to think, like, oh, like, I, I'm the plant. Like, God is cutting things off of me in the situation like here's the deal when it comes to a plant when it when it grows and it grows out and its branches it grows its leaves and things like that if you don't cut away the dead weight that's preventing it from growing eventually that plant the weight from the deadness on it is going to pull it down it'll cause the plant to bend it'll cause it to sag It'll cause it not to be able to pull water from the ground through its roots to disperse that throughout the rest of the plant. It'll cause it not to be able to get oxygen in the right way. And eventually, not only will the dead part of it that's weighing its down die, but it'll cause the rest of the plant to die. So the loving thing to do in that situation is to take the shears or to take the pruning tool or whatever it is and to remove those dead things so that the plant can continue to grow. And in your life, those who produce fruit, those who are Christ's true disciples, those who follow Jesus with every part of their life, you will eventually come to a season where the Lord begins removing those things from your life. And some of those things, it's going to be very hard for you to let go of. Because you've grown accustomed to them. You've been around them for so long. You've had them for so long in your life. You see, like when a plant, when one of its branches dies, it's not like it just shot out there yesterday. Like that branch has been growing for a while. the Lord has to remove that branch because that branch's time has come to pass. It's come to pass and it's time for them to move on to that. The loving thing to do is to remove the dead weight that is killing the rest of the plant and that is what the Lord is doing in your life in those seasons. Now listen, there's something really important I want to address uh, when it comes to talking this because I feel like every single year around New Year's time, uh, I see a lot of people post and like re-Instagram and put this on their story and retweet it and share it on Facebook and they're like, "Man." It's a new year, I'm going to cut all the negative people out of my life. I'm going to do it this year. All you guys are getting cut out. Everybody who's got negative energy, everybody who's got bad energy, whatever negative energy or bad energy means, uh, I'm cutting you out of my life. And you know what's funny is, like, you know, I felt like in 2017, the people I saw post that, it was like 2018, they posted the same thing. And then this year in 2019, they reposted it again. And I'm just starting to think, like, maybe, like, you are the bad energy like, if every single year, if you are like, man, i got to cut everybody else out of my life, like, you only had a year to make new friends, and you're like, i got to cut these guys out, too. Like, maybe you're the problem. You know, and I think we have to take these honest, uh, these honest self-assessments of ourselves, these honest things, and we have to look around and say, you know, the people that I want around my life, the people that you guys should want around your life are the ones who are doing the same thing. And by the same thing, I mean the ones who are running towards Christ. Like, if you believe and follow Jesus, like, you just naturally want to gravitate to other people who are running after the same goal as you. That's what you should want. That's what you should desire. And what you might be kind of, like, wrestling with in your head right now is like, well, man, how how do I know? How do I know? Like, I mean, I thought they were, my friend. I thought they were. Like, they go to church. They go to LYA. They're in a small group. They do this. They do that. And, like, here's the reality is Jesus makes it very, very clear for us in this passage, and we're going to read this in just a second, but just to give you a preview. He says, look, my true disciples, people who are true Christians, people who are true believers, people who are true whatever label you want to put on it, those people, he says, it's very easy, very easy to know who they are. It's the one who obey my commands. People who obey my commands and the people who love me, those are my true followers. Not people who have been baptized, not people who are in a small group, not people who show up every Sunday and Tuesday. But those who keep my commands. Those are the ones, and those are the ones that you want to be around. Those are the ones you want to be around. The second thing I want you guys to see, just from these kind of these first opening verses, is this is you can have as much of the Lord as you want. You can have as much of the Lord as you want. You can have unrestricted access to the Father every single day. When Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you, this is what he meant. You can have unrestricted access to the Father. Unrestricted. And it is all dependent on one single thing. You. You. Your access to the Father, your relationship with God is all dependent. It all comes down to one singular thing, and that singular thing is you. And every single day, we all make choices. Every day in here, all of us, we have choices, we have options to make. And every day when we make choices, we have the ability to choose Am I going to choose what Christ wants me to do in this situation? Am I going to choose God in this situation? Am I going to put my relationship with him first? Am I going to put the gospel mission first? Am I going to put the kingdom of God first? Or am I going to choose what I want to do in this situation? Every single day, all of us in here have choices to make. And if what we read is true, if what Jesus said is true in these opening verses, in the first eight verses... Your choice between choosing yourself or choosing Christ is the difference and you choosing joy or you choosing despair. Every choice, every day, we have the option to remain with God, and he will remain with us. Every day we have that. But what's even more interesting, I think, about Jesus' statement is he says this, is he says, anyone who does not remain in me I will cast aside. Now that's kind of scary. Does it make me feel good on the inside? But see, here's what I think is going on. Here's what I think the problem is: is some of us in here like we've prayed a prayer once, and we may have even been baptized, or we went to church a lot, or we've read the Bible, or we've memorized some scripture, or we've kind of done one thing in the past a long time ago. But since then, we have never reached a deployment phase in our Christianity. We've never reached a deployment phase in our faith. We're actually just kind of coming and going to church and we're not really doing anything about it. We're not really talking to anybody about it. We're not really serving anyone. We're not making a difference. We're not talking to anyone about our faith. We're just kind of stuck in this rut of, I go to church on Sunday, sometimes I come on Tuesday and I'm just kind of here. And I think what is the problem is, is so many of us grow frustrated with faith. We grow frustrated with God because we feel like God isn't helping us in our situations. He's not giving us clarity. He's not giving us answers. He's not doing any of those things. And the problem is, is we are showing up and we are doing religion every single week. We are not doing faith. And when we do religion and when we do not faith, like the joy of Christianity is found in action. Christianity is a faith of action. It is a living, breathing thing. The joy that Jesus is talking about in this passage that you can have is not found in showing up and doing like this ritualistic religious thing. The joy in it is found in following and acting upon it. Building relationships with real people. Making God's name known. Serving others. Making a difference in that kid's life in LSM. Making a difference in that kid's life in Kidville. Making a difference in that person in your small group's life. Make a difference with your coworker. Building that relationship and being patient with them. Man, that's where the joy is. Because Christianity is a faith of action. It's a faith of action. You know... Uh, I want to tell you guys something, and and just for a minute, like, if you're new to LYA, like, you know, this is the one time I'm going to give you a pass where you can just kind of step inside, so if you've only been here for a couple weeks, or tonight's your first night, please just observe as we kind of talk about some in-house stuff with that, but I want to tell you guys what uh, is so discouraging as you guys as pastor is, man, I hear you guys all the time. You guys come to me, and you're like, I want make a difference like in the community i want to make a difference in newport news i want to make a difference in hampton or in yorktown or on the peninsula or wherever it is And you guys come to me and you're like man i wish there was more opportunities for my group to serve i wish there was more opportunities for my team to serve outside the walls of the church like i feel like we got enough chances enough opportunity to serve people that come into the lord's house but i'm just looking for more chances to serve outside and then finally we work hard to try to figure something out for you guys to do and we throw things like the block party together, and we're like, hey, this block party's coming up, we need, you know, this amount of people, the guys come out and do this, and I'm like, man, this is going to be great, because, you know, so many people have asked, like, hey, what's our chance, what's our opportunity to do that, so we come together, I talk about it, we put the announcement out there on Instagram, we put it on the screen, and then I go out, and I take the sheet at the end of the night, and I look down, and there's one person signed up, one, I just tell you guys, that just crushes me. I don't say that to to, to beat you guys up, but I just, like, guys, this is what it's about. It's a faith of action. It's a faith of doing. It's a faith of attacking the goal. And, like, if you're just going to follow Christ when it's convenient for you, just when you feel like doing it, just when you don't have anything to do that weekend, just when there's not anything else going on, then I don't know if this is the faith for you. that's not what it's about. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's keep going in verse 9. Verse 9, Jesus says this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Will overflow. Verse 12, this is my commandment, love each other in the way that I have loved you. Third thing I want you guys to know from tonight is this, is the Lord's commands are not to rip us off. The Lord's commands are not to rip us off. And if you're anything like me in this room, you've had this internal battle uh, inside your mind. You've had this internal conversation that, uh, you know, you struggle to believe this is true. You struggle to believe that the way that God has called us to live, the way that we're supposed to conduct ourselves, and and we've looked at that and we thought like, man, I— I really don't know if I want to do that. Like, that's hard. I don't really know if that's going to make me happy. I don't know if that's really going to bring me joy. And what we do when we have that conversation, when we have that choice, remember I was talking about every day we have options, every day we have choices. When we have that battle in our minds and we choose ourselves, we choose our way, we choose outside of the revealed will of God, what he has shown us in the text, when we do that, What you're doing is you're taking God off of his throne and you're putting yourself on there. And you're telling God, I'm better at being God than you are. Because I know what's better for me than you do. I know better than the creator. I know better than the savior. I know better than the father. And here's where I think we get this all wrong is we're coming at this from from the wrong perspective. We're coming at this from the wrong perspective. We're coming at this and we look at the Lord's commands and we look at the things that he asks us to do. And we think, man, Jesus is trying to keep me from something. He's trying to keep me from having fun. He's trying to keep me from having joy. He's trying to keep me from happiness on the other side of this command. And he's not. He's not. Look back. Actually, I do think Jesus is trying to keep us from something. He's trying to keep us from misery. Like, he's trying to keep you from despair. He's kind of trying to keep you from wrecking your entire life. That's what he's trying to keep you from. Like, the Lord wants to give you joy. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Overflow. Like, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to be overflowing with joy? each and every day, not to be filled with misery. And I think the point when you come to follow Christ and when you truly lay everything down before him, you say, I'll follow Jesus with every single part of my life, not certain areas of my life, not 90% of my life, not whenever I feel like it, but all of it. Every part of your being, all of your hopes, all of your dreams, all of your desires, when you come to that place where you see Jesus for really who he is and you're willing to commit and follow him to that level is when you reach this thing where Jesus is like, I will can show you joy overflowing now. I can show you that now because you're not distracted by everything else. You can see me for who I am. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says this. He says, you will seek and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You will seek and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The Lord is a father who wants to give you guys good gifts. He doesn't want to rip you off, but I I think we've just consumed so much culture around us, whether it's through Facebook or whether it's through Instagram or Twitter or any of these, all these other things. We've forgotten that. We've forgotten that, and we've lost that somewhere in the distraction of the world that, man, like, God really isn't trying to rip me off. Like, man, maybe Jesus wasn't a liar. Maybe he really meant it. Maybe he wasn't kidding when he says, hey, if you love me, then follow me. If you want to follow me, then obey my commands. And if you obey my commands, I will give you joy that overflows. Man, what if he wasn't kidding? What if he was serious? What if we believed that to that level where we believed it was true? See, I think the Lord's commands in our life, they're more like guardrails. They're guardrails in our life. They're trying to keep us from flying off the cliff or flipping off the side and falling to our certain death. It's sort of like, uh, you know, if you guys ever go to the zoo before, um, you know, when you go to the zoo, there's these things called enclosures or fences or things like that. And that enclosure, that wall, that fence, that whatever it is, is there for a few reasons. One, it is there to protect the animal that's in captivity from you. And then it's also to protect you from that animal. Now, if you walk into the zoo and you see that sign that says, hey, don't stick your hands through the fence. Don't try to pet the tiger. Don't do whatever. And you're like, you know what, you zookeepers? You guys are trying to oppress me you oppressive zookeepers trying to rob me of the happiness that I deserve to get into that enclosure with that dangerous animal. And then you're like, you know what? I'm not listening. And then you hop over the enclosure, and then you get inside there with that animal. I'm going to tell you guys right now, this is how we lost Harambe. (laughs) People like you. I miss Harambe every day. Guys, the commands are there to protect you and to protect Harambe. That's what the Lord's commands are. He's not trying to rip you off. He's trying to save you. He's trying to save you. Let's keep going in verse 13. Jesus says, There is no greater love than the one that will lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friend if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friend. Since I have told you everything the Father has told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. Look, this is the third time he said that. Third time. Third time so that the Father will give you whatever you ask, if you ask using my name, if you ask for the Father's glory, if you ask God to do anything to help you expand the kingdom, to help you continue the mission. Man, God wants, He wants to help you. He just wants you to ask. So then when He does help you, you know where it came from. Just ask. (laughs) Verse 17 says, This is my command. Love each other. So my last point for you guys is this, is live your calling. Live your calling. You know a question I get all the time? It's, man, what am I going to do with my life? What should I do? What should my job be? What should my career be? I think that's something that people who are young adults wrestle with maybe most often. And that's probably why we change careers three times before we're 30. It's because we're like, man, What am I supposed to do with my life? What am I supposed to do with myself? I'm like, look, all of us in here are all called to the same thing. Anyone who believes and follows Jesus, we have the same purpose. And Jesus made it really, really simple for us. He says, hey, I want you to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I want you to love your neighbor as yourself, and I want you to go throughout the entire world making my name known and then baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what God told us to do. That is what your purpose is. That is the movement that you were made for. And here in 2019, we are a continuation of that movement that started 2,000 years ago on the other side of the planet, in this room, during this conversation that Jesus is having. It's the conversation that changed everything. And I know it changed everything because just like I just said, in a part of the world that the people in this room didn't even know existed, 2,000 years later, we are talking about it. Because the message of Christ, the gospel of Christ, is a gospel that saves. Is a story that is powerful enough to transform your life. It is a gospel that is strong enough to help you overcome things that you thought you would never overcome. It's a gospel that's strong enough to change the course of history, to change the calendar. The calendar has only changed once in the history of forever. It's because of Jesus. So when you guys ask, man, what am I supposed to do with my life? What I really think the question behind the question is, when you ask that, is, man, what am I going to do in life that really matters? Like, what am I going to do in life that's going to matter in the long run? Like, what am I going to do that's not going to be so fleeting. I want you guys to think right now, back two years ago in your life, when you were probably working on something really, really hard and devoting a lot of time to that, and you were really stressed out over it. Think back to about two years ago. Like, how important does that seem to you right now? Probably not that important. Not as important as it felt two years ago. I want you guys to think back to couple of years ago in that relationship you were so worried about working out that seemingly in that moment felt like it was everything. Seemingly in that moment felt like, man, this is the thing that I have to set 100% of my heart, my soul, and my affections on. And how much do you care about it now? Probably not that much. So what can we do? Look what Jesus is saying, guys. Look, LYA. Listen. Listen, friends. Listen. This is what he's telling you. Look at the words that he wrote. Look at the words that he said. He said, I chose you. I chose you. I appointed you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. You. Not someone else. Not just pastors. Not people who are religious. You. And your failures, your shortcomings and your own personal brand of however you've messed up your life. He chose you. And he appointed you. To do what? Look at verse 16. He says, I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. That is the only thing in life that matters. That's it. The people that you impact, the relationship that you build for Jesus' kingdom, the way you share your faith, those bonds, those relationships, the time that you spend in those groups of people, the way that you serve those individuals, when you go to the nations and you make his name known, when you have conversations with people you thought you would never talk to in your entire life. Those are the things that really matter. That's the lasting fruit. You guys remember back in uh, elementary school, uh, you know, um, whenever you kind of get into the end of the school year, I'm talking about elementary school again, because obviously I have some deep-seated scars in that, now that I'm thinking about it in the moment. Um, You guys remember, like, back in elementary school, like, after you got done taking your exams and your tests, and there was still, like, a whole week of school left, and you're like, why the heck are we here? And your teachers are like, why the heck are you guys here? Uh, And you're like, well... My parents kind of shoved me out of the car, so I'm here. I'm at school. Uh, so what are we going to do? Because there's no, there's no tests left. And then your teachers are like, here is some work to do. So you start busily working away at whatever craft or project that they give you. And then, you know, as you kind of get older, like on in the fifth grade, you're like, wait a second. Like, our grades are already calculated. Like, what am I doing this work for? And then you realize, like, oh, I'm just doing busy work like I'm just kind of doing this thing right now just to kind of pass time and then eventually like school's out and the year's over. Like man, the last thing I want for you guys in life is for you to waste your life just kind of doing like the busy work of things of life and not actually doing anything that matters, not actually doing anything that counts for anything. The busy work of life like getting a job, finishing school, starting your master's, starting your postgraduate, ranking up, getting your own command, buying a house, buying a car, buying two cars, buying a motorcycle, buying two motorcycles, buying three motorcycles, buying a boat, going fishing, getting married, having a family, all of those things, it's not bad, but it's just kind of busy work. All of those things are just things that God has given you as a means to make his name known. All of those things are just a means of his grace. They're a means, a tool that he has given you. They are not the end goal themselves. So don't get distracted by the busy work. Man, focus on the stuff that counts. So as the band comes forward, here's what I want to invite you guys to do. Oh, is this is I want you to begin to see yourself. See yourself as a way maker. the world see yourself as a change agent see yourself as someone who wants to produce long lasting fruit because jesus made it very simple those who are my true disciples those are those people are the ones who love me and they are the ones who obey my commands and they keep my commands those are the ones who pursue me not the ones who show up to church not the ones whose facebook religious view says christian the ones who keep my commands what I would invite you guys to do tonight is maybe, you know, you're you're just not in the fight, like you're not in the movement, you're not in this thing that we're doing here at LYA, where we're trying to build a tight knit group of people who are pursuing christ together maybe you're not in a group at all and maybe tonight is the night that you need to pray and you need to go to the next step center and talk to someone about getting involved in a group maybe you don't serve anywhere you're not giving back anywhere so you don't even have a chance to produce fruit because like i said you've never reached that deployment phase in your christianity you're just kind of camping just kind of camped out man i want to invite you man come to discover serve tonight It's it's 20 minutes of your time to learn how you can use your gifts to make a difference Maybe you can actually start experiencing these things that Jesus talked about, this joy overflowing that Jesus talked about because in your heart and your mind right now, you're like, I don't feel that. Man, and I just wonder, like, are you in a faith that is in action because that is true biblical Christianity, not this religious thing that so many people hawk in America. Man, I just want to know. I want to invite you guys to give up this fake half-hearted faith. Not to do the religious thing, but to really pursue Jesus with every single part of your life. And I want to ask you guys if you would ask him to show that to you tonight. And if you don't believe and follow Jesus and you want to go all in tonight, it's very easy, it's very simple. When Jesus walked the earth, he looked out at crowds of people just like this and he said, Hey, come follow me. Drop what you're doing, forget what you're doing right now, forget all that stuff, leave it behind, come follow me with every single part of your life. Leave it behind. Jesus didn't say, hey, I want you to ask, guys, ask me into your heart. He didn't say that. You can search the New Testament. You're not going to find it in there. He said, hey, stop. Believe who I am. Believe that I'm the Messiah. Believe that I'm the, Messiah, the, the Savior. Believe that. Believe that I am God. That is what Philip was so messed up when we talked about that in chapter 14 last week. He said, Jesus, look, if you can just show us the Father, then I'll believe. And he's like, Philip, I am one with the Father. If you've seen the Father, me, you have seen the Father. I am God. That's what Jesus is saying. Believe, believe that I am God. Believe that I am the Savior. Believe that I am the answer for all the questions you've had. If that's you, you don't know that you want to go all in. That's what I'm telling you. That's what you need to do. You need to believe need to follow. Because when Jesus said, hey, believe and then repent, that word repent, it literally means turn around. Because you're going this way in life, and it's not working. So stop going that way and start going this way. Because we're going a new place. We're going to do new things. When Isaiah prophesied of Jesus coming, he said, behold, I'm doing a new thing. I think many of you guys in here tonight, you're like, God, that's what I need is a new thing. I need a new thing. So I'd invite you to do that. Because the reality is what Jesus said is true. He said, hey, the branches that don't produce fruit, they're cut away and then they're gathered in a pile to burn because they're useless. There's not one person in this room that is useless. And follow Jesus if you give it all over to Christ tonight you can discover these things not pray a prayer not do all those things but commit your life to believing and following swearing your allegiance to Jesus I'm never going anywhere else I'm just following you